I'm Richard Berkison, and this is Grassroots, the Minor Hockey Podcast, with the first show of 2023. Dean Holden is ill, and his otherwise dulcet voice is sounding too croaky to be on the air, so he's taken this episode off. Let me take you first back to March of 2020, episode one of this podcast. That first episode, called Golly G, began this way. There's a leather-appointed but imaginary room in a building that doesn't exist in a fictional Canadian location. The virtual building has a lovely stone portico out front and large oak doors. The fictional walls are covered with teak plaques featuring the silhouettes of people you've mostly not heard of. Beneath the plaques are their contributions to the development of our great game. No, this place does not exist, but it should. So whose plaques are in there? And then in that episode, I reeled off a bunch of names. Dave King, Wally Kozak, Ron Smith, Lloyd Percival, Don McKee, Gaston Marcotte, George Kingston, Tom Watt, George LaRiviere, Dave Chambers, Roger Nielsen, to name a few. How many of them have you heard of or know about? My bet is not many. You see, that building, which doesn't exist, is really the pantheon of Canada's greatest hockey teachers. And did you note the second name? Wally Kozak. Wally's contributions to hockey development in this country are wide, deep, and practically legendary. Calgary named a rink after him just a couple of months ago. He's taught high school phys ed and coached our national women's team. He continues to work in developing players and coaches, giving back to the game in more ways than a normal Canadian can count. He has literally been there, done that, and is still doing it. In this episode, he's going to walk us through his mission statement exercise, and we're going to hopefully discuss coaching development. So Wally Kozak, who's wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf shirt, which has immediately set me on edge, welcome to Grassroots. Thank you very much, Richard. Okay. Wally, just before we get into the mission statement exercise, which is really integral to what we do with our teams, because it's a great starting point. You played for Father David Bauer once upon a time way back. I won't say what year because it'll start to age you. But when you when you left that experience, what did you take with you as an athlete, as a player? And as a person, the uh, experience uh, one year with the national team, Father David Bauer's team, and the the players coaching uh, playing for the team uh, had a tremendous influence on me. It was ethically based. On Father's goal was to get a team in the Olympics. And he attempted to get top young players together to centralize in Winnipeg and get them into the Olympics to be competitive. We needed representation. His uh, vision was the Olympics and the Olympic rings and the idea it's more important to compete than to win. And uh, those ideals, the Olympic ideals, and that team and the men, the young men that were on it, myself included, 
um, truly appreciated that. And we were all student athletes. Some of them had graduated and some of them uh, just quit going to junior hockey and started to get their education or do a little more, but focus on hockey. But the influence for me, uh, I didn't realize it at the time. It, it really paralleled my bringing up by my parents who had come from a different country and left turmoil and uh, the Stalin Soviet regime. And so coming to Canada, uh, the country that we are, the mosaic of nations and, and uh, cultures that we have, it really resonated with me, and the Olympics resonated with me. So I I always had this understanding of the purpose of sport being something bigger than just the game. It would develop people, and it would actually, in fact, should improve society as a whole, because sport has a, an amazingly amazing influence. Doing it the right way, it can be wonderful. Doing it the wrong way, it can be harmful. Would you say that that was the foundation of your future as a coach? I would say it laid the foundation for me of my, I know why, why I coached. And I think the essence of this is know your why. And you know, I didn't write it down. I didn't in, internalize it. It just became a part of my being. And it's so important what we're talking about here. The exercise is to discover your why. Why are you coaching? Why are you parenting? Why is your child playing hockey? What is it for? And what? You know, is why you're doing it. If you know your why, your how will come naturally. We've both been around the game a number of decades. Would you say that uh, those of us who have been in leadership positions, you in particular, you've worked with Dave King and Tom Malloy and some fantastic people out there, uh, we tend to be more reflective inwardly thinking and that and that sort of uh draws for us our coaching approach would you would you say that that's fairly accurate well i think the reflective piece came far too late for me because like all coaches we never knew what we didn't right. know right and we made the same mistakes but we were a generation uh, and you mentioned this fictional building and the names. And that was the difference. In that era, we shared knowledge. Uh, we, we respected and trusted each other in the discussion and sharing of knowledge and the creation of coaching modules. And it was a really large group of people where the interest was the game and the good of the game. And, you know, winning and the competition was important. But they did it for their different reason. It wasn't for the outcome. 
it wasn't for their egos or themselves. It really was for the good of the game. They they understood what the game could do. There's and, a uh, there's a tendency. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was going to say that there's a tendency for those of us over the age of fifty, which would be which includes you and me, I should say, Boys. that um, we tend to look back on when we played or when we coached, even you know years ago, as the as days of a bygone era. And there's a little bit too much of, well, when I was a kid, you know, I walked uphill both ways to school in the snow barefoot type of thing. Um, do, do we, do you think that we, I mean, I guess I'm trying to ask, do you see yourself as still being relevant? I could answer that question. What do you say? Uh, I, I really do. I, I, more than ever, relative to not successful, not um, making an immediate impact, but still trying to make a difference in a good way. And I'm not as disappointed as I might have been 10 years ago in the fact that this hasn't taken off and the change is that we want to, to return to the value-driven base of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it will really put you at peace and everyone at every level in the game at peace because we're on the same page. We're there to grow the young players participating in a physical, technical way, but more important is the life skills that you learn from playing a sport and being on a team. And that is the main purpose of playing a sport. You may not make the highest level. I did not make Father Bauer's Olympic team. But the year with them and the ups and downs of uh, not going on a certain tour to Russia and then eventually not being named to the Olympic team and they brought in Roger Bourbonnet and we just weren't, you know, I wasn't personally mature enough to compete at that level but given the experience to be there for the year play the games I played gave me the confidence uh, and understanding that it doesn't matter if you made it or achieved the mountain climb it's that you tried to do it and that's the lesson I get out of it yep. so when I went back to teaching school I Everything I did in coaching football, wrestling, and track, uh, I, I, I took those values to heart and applied them in the way I coached. It was sort of my purpose of doing it was to make better people and better teams. And, you know, the results of it were remarkable. I mean, outcome results. For, for, and, a, lot of, for a lot of obvious reasons, Hockey is the one sport in this country where we tend to talk a lot about the youngsters that we coached or the teenagers that we coached or the young men that we coached who didn't air quote make it, whether we call making it, you know, playing college hockey, uh, junior A, major junior, pro, whatever. But the vast majority of the players who play, as you know, I'm not, I'm sort of preaching to the choir here, um, don't make it. 
they just play. And now I'm playing beer league with all these guys who God knows where they played. I have a story in that regard, not hockey, but coaching wrestling. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I was coaching the uh, women's team in uh, in Calgary, and we were on a trip to Montreal to play the female team there. <clears throat> and I got a phone call from a, a person that I had was coached in wrestling many years ago. He introduced himself. He said he was working with the Montreal Canadiens and was basically their sound engineer with the, you know, the theatrics that goes on between whistles and whatnot. And he said, you coach me in wrestling. Is there any chance I can come and meet you? And I said, well, by all means. He came down and uh, the story about him was, and he told me this story. He came down, he was about six foot two, a pretty big man, good looking, well-dressed. And he said to me, you hounded me. I was a runt. And anytime I walked by you in the hallway, you tried to recruit me. And I did because the littlest wrestlers, uh, there weren't many kids that were light that light and small but participated and it gave you a chance to be competitive in the point system but I recruited him I badgered him he tried to avoid me and eventually he did he wrestled for two years and he got whatever wrestling gets out of you know whatever a sport you do you hope teaches you something and he, uh, he, he told me that story and said, I wouldn't be here doing today what I did do now if it wasn't for that. Mm. I got so much confidence, belief in myself that I could do better things, and that's what I'm doing. So, you know, you get a paycheck, but nothing compares to no. that kind of right meeting and interaction let's uh slither over here to the the mission statement exercise if you go to the websites of i would say most minor hockey organizations across the country they have something on their website about us and they have the list of the members of the board and whatnot and they all have some kind of a statement we are there for the betterment of our kids you know, and development and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I've, I've read, I don't know how many dozens of those things. I'm sure you have too, but that's for an, the overarching, you know, mission for an organization that they don't really follow up on. They talk about development, but they don't even know what development means, but what you're doing and, and hoping to get across to uh, in minor hockey has to do with, individual coaches, or in the case of the what you told me off the air earlier, uh, a group of parents. Can you please define what a mission statement is, what it's supposed to do, and why we do it, or why we should do it? Well, the mission statement is sort of why are you doing what you're doing? It's, a, it's coming to an agreement as a coach, 
as a coaching staff, <clears throat> as a team, including the parents, as a board, and as a provincial branch association, or the national branch. We, what are we there for? We all begin, and at some point, the people at the top, probably every five years, might revisit <coughs> that statement in their words. And I'm finding that the art of reinforcing and walking the talk of how you do things the right way requires revisiting it every season. And so there are ways of enhancing and delivering on this that can pay off and perpetuate if coaches, they will become better coaches, become the leaders. And this exercise is a tool that I we prepared in the Dave King era at the request of the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association to deal with insurance rates and the hitting from behind, the lack of respect that started to show up in the sport. But it was mainly because of their insurance rates. So we had goals one and goals two. I'm sure you're familiar with it. This was goal three, was to deal with respect in sport. Three modules, three 10-minute parts, uh, an accompanying brochure with the video. The first part was the mission statement exercise. The second part was fundamental sports psychology in terms of emotional control for everyone, players and coaches, understanding you control what you can control. And the third stage is basically the danger zone and checking. And so there was a technical aspect to it, a sports psychology aspect to it, but the Nishman statement was the why are we doing it? It, it was the coming to the understanding of everything that we're trying to do is to make the game better, to improve respect, to improve technique. And it starts with your mindset going in, in terms of what do you want to accomplish? When you begin the season, every season, not just letting what happens go on, not even read the mission statement. Reading is a waste of time. You've got to try to live it, and you can only live it if you review it every year and redo it every year. And it's easier because everyone's done it. And in the process of doing it, coaches have are advised to recruit good parents to get on the local association board like-minded, value-driven people to get on the board. And that doesn't mean, oh, it's just a free play, a fun atmosphere. It is a way better atmosphere, but it, it meets the, any competitive standard you want because it deals with doing things the right way to be the best you can be and appreciating you might not win. And I think John Wooden said it best. 
You never win or lose. You win or learn. And the lifelong learning aspect of us at our age doing what we're doing uh, is what it's all about. Uh, coaches have to learn. What happened to that goals three? Well, the CAHA was by itself. Hockey Canada was the national team with Dave King. Right. And actually, when the national team disbanded, so CAHA took over Hockey Canada, and that transition period, it slipped through the cracks. It was written. It was submitted. Uh the Edmonton Oilers uh, TV company was excited about taking on the production of it, and it didn't happen. <clears throat> but I discovered that one of the young gentlemen that worked at the first center of excellence, Dan Morrow. Oh, I remember Dan. Yeah, sure. You know Dan. Yep. He he was the one who used this exercise in peewee hockey because he was coaching with dr bob corn at the ufc a peewee team in the area mm -hmm. and they were having issues and this mission statement exercise they experimented with because it originated with claire drake and murray smith their sports psychologist at the university of alberta created it applied it and really the successes they've had in terms of national championships and sustained success and more importantly, I noticed, I know that when Claire had us, there was a celebration of life, over a thousand former players attended. I, I was there and not a former player. Mm -hmm. The respect of the community that he had created, the value-driven community, is that exercise is sort of a way of figuring out how to do things because you know your why. I guess I should add Claire Drake to that fiction. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier. But yeah, I, gotta, I should add the name Claire Drake to that list. There are a bunch of others. Like I was an assistant with Paul Arsenault in, at Concordia in Montreal for for a couple of years back in the eighties, and uh, <clears throat> Claire Drake brought his University of Alberta team in there once, and I remember watching him on a do a practice the day before our game against them, and doing uh, he was practicing rims forwards getting rims. And he'd have the defenseman behind the net making all kinds of plays to the around the boards, high chips, low chips, hard rims, soft rims. And the players had to come down from the blue line. Forwards had to come down from the blue line and play each one. Every single one of them was different. And then he added a defenseman to pinch on these guys. Uh, an exercise that I still use myself, but it, I, I thought this is pretty forward thinking. Like you just rims like that. That's it? Well, that's a, you know, it's a part of the game at the college level for sure. Well, it's details of teaching and yes, coaching. Correct. That have gone they've slipped through the cracks too because yes. coaches are just given drills and general breakouts, but the nuances of breaking it down mm -hmm. to teach it and think of different ways, it's quite simple, but we our certification program has gone from learning how to break down skills and tactics and progressively build them. And we were able to do it. Uh, we were educated that way, but that's a missing element of the X and O side, which I don't concern myself anymore with. 
but I do concern myself with the behavioral side. Well, let's let's let, let let's just leave the 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 development of the certification program aside for now because I think you and I could talk for five hours on that one because oh, Dean yeah. Hold Dean Holden and I have attacked that and anyway okay. when we talk about the the mission statement exercise and having coaches or groups of parents let's say coaches or or a board of an association redo it every year would you say that that is actually asking them to be reflective of what they've done over the past year or haven't done because there are a lot of coaches who as dean has said i've coached 10 years but it's really one year 10 times i've just recycled my yeah. approach you know whether i'm going from u13 to u14 to u15 to u16 or the same junior like you know whatever D doesn't redoing the mission statement exercise force everyone to give a long hard think to what they've done yes it, it, it's a reflection on what they've done and it makes them think of gee why did i do that mm -hmm. they 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 begin to remind themselves of what they're there for. <clears throat> and it's that reality check of the purpose of what you're doing. Know your why. Things will happen better. And that's why it's it just can't be done from the top down occasionally. And it can't be done only from the bottom up. It has to be done both ways. Now, the bottom up to me is the coach being able to deliver it and repeat it with his team. And the new thing I've learned is doing it with your parents while there's a practice on. Let the assistants run the practice and the coach or a mentor run the exercise with the parents. That's what I learned this year with the mission statement you have in front of you. And the parents were so, it was so appreciative of it that I uh, attended their last, uh, a recent game and sat in the stands with them. And they were exuberant enthusiasm and yelling, but there was a cohesiveness in the group. Now, and, uh, now, you just said something that struck a chord. Actually, a lot of things you say strike a chord, but you said, now, after all these years of coaching and teaching high school and coaching various other sports and being involved in hockey at you know the national program, you said at the gentle age of 52 that you are, Wally, new thing I've learned this year. You don't hear that from coaches very often but here you are a member of that pantheon that fictional building and you come out and say the new thing i've learned this year and then yep. described dealing with the parents are you yep. finding now after all these years that wow i never thought about that i never considered that this is something i should investigate yeah and it was an accident and it came from the coach tom Loy asking me to do it because things weren't going well. <clears throat> and uh, it, But our weekly group that calls and talks hockey, uh, they're all of that mode. Uh, it, it's about lifelong learning, keeping right. swimming and breathing like a shark and yeah. growing and living. And uh, Hence the name, the Sharks. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for, for the sake of listeners who don't know what he's referring to, each Thursday, um, uh, Wally hosts a group online through um, through Skype, I think it is, right, Wally? Yes. Yeah, through Skype of a, of a group of, of like-minded, I guess, uh, people in, in hockey development. And there are some pretty familiar names in there. Sammy Joe Small, former gold medalist with the national program, is on there. Kim McCullough from Ottawa, from um, Leaside here in the Toronto area. Uh, Tom Malloy, Tim Bothwell, former NHLer. Uh, Rick P- uh, Puttick, uh, Mike Benelli from the USA, Hal Terse. Like there's a whack of people who go on this thing and talk about various issues related to the game. So Tom Malloy, uh, who has the website Hockey Coaching ABCs, he's coaching a U13 double team, girls team, correct? Yes. And you, you, you got the parents to come up with a mission statement. So I'm going to read the mission statement, and then I'd like you to tell me how this came about. The mission statement for this is the Junior Inferno girls hockey team, U13 AA in Calgary. Promote the pursuit of excellence through hard work, determination, integrity, ongoing skill development, and friendship. So Tom Malloy comes to you and says, all right, Wally, uh, it'll probably cost me a coffee or a beer, but Something's not going right with my team. What do you suggest? And you said what? Well, he's, I sort of sensed, and he said there it's difficult uh, because the, the, the men, the fathers, wanted to coach. Uh, they, had, they had been the child's coaches, and this is yeah. a transition period where you go from mm-hmm. parents can coach to can't coach. And here he was. The other team in the city is coached by five parents. Five. They, get along, they get along naturally. Mm-hmm. So Tom faced with having uh, Cassie Campbell and his son. He he really didn't need help, and he did. At my suggestion, gee, you know, this parent transitioning, mm-hmm. not coaching. Can you take some more on your? I suggest that he invite some on the ice at practice and he does have one come on the ice at practice especially if one of them is away and cassie is away broadcasting quite often and at the last game he had two on the bench handling the gates but i found that when i did this exercise the switch the light switch went on from frowns to smiles and uh, the inter the relationship with me is, is so almost embarrassingly comfortable. It was just like I'm a messiah for them. But with Tom, he's happy coaching. He comes out and they greet him, and they're talking to one another in the hallway. And- how, did, how how did you approach this with the parents? Because it's the parents who wrote this mission statement. Yeah. Well, the uh, at a practice, I suggested. All the parents that are there, it's uh, going to be done. Formal exercise. The team's on the ice. You're at the rink anyway. And we went into the boardroom. And we might have had 60% of the parents there. Maybe less because there's only one parent driving. But um, 
you know, the core group of parents was all there. And I did, you know, did the exercise with them and it was a lot more interactive. And with me, you got an hour and a half ice time, spending an hour and 15 minutes with them. And the comfort of being there for that one reason, it wasn't like a coaching clinic where you squeeze it into 45 minutes and you've got nine more modules to cover, which is what happens at the coaches clinic. Mm-hmm. Here it was a total communication, dedication time to serve the good of the game and make things better. Do you think it helped that you were not the coach of the team? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And I could sense the uh, discomfort of some of the parents. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, the, the fathers who couldn't coach, they had their arms crossed and were sitting there, you know, it's uh, at the beginning. And one of the mothers, highly motivated, like she was quite concerned about, well, this is competitive hockey. It is about winning. And that's, I said, true. It is about winning. And that's the first thing I did at this group because it's about winning. It is. You don't play a sport just to have fun. You try to win, but have fun winning or losing. Get something out of it. And I started with that. So I reversed my approach. And we can begin the exercise now and go through it like I did with them. Sure. There's sort of two approaches. The first approach I've done all, all my life was everybody has to write three things down they want to accomplish this season. Get better at. Reflect on what did you do that didn't work. Change. Write down three things. Now, I I, I must add the drawing of a tree is the first task. I don't think I did it with this parent group. But I have everybody draw a tree. They hold their pictures up to one another and me, and I said, remind me of this when we're done. Put them away. But anyway, we get on with the exercise, which is everybody has to write down three things they want to accomplish this year. Now, when you say they want to accomplish, we're talking about the parents, not the coaches. So now, now the coaches do the exercise as well. Right. But when you met with this group of parents and you say three things they want to accomplish, they want the team to accomplish. They want their children to accomplish. It's all encompassing. I think it, what they want to happen for their children. Okay. All right. What they want to happen for themselves. Okay. And all of these answers come out. It, it, I'm not even directing them about your players because in reality, they have to ask their players, ask, not tell, what do you want to accomplish? Why are you playing? What do you want to get out of it? And those are actually collated in the exercise. So when everybody writes these things, in this case, it was the parent group only, but they have to go home and make sure they ask their kids and write those down. Now, this can be done by email. It can be done by a Zoom call, and then sure. all the results can be mm-hmm. sent in. 
But the, ex uh, the exercise is at the big whiteboard, I am uh, getting their statements. What did you want to accomplish? And I split the board in half. And on one side, I'll put outcomes. But I don't write outcomes. At the coaching clinic, I just leave two blank columns, uh, uh, spots at the top to write down outcomes. Right. You got it. You've done it. And the other with side. With you. Uh, Dean and I did it with you a year ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, once I've done that, I draw an arrow from, from the value side to the outcome side and write in the word process. Now, Richard, I've changed that where I have three columns. Oh. The values columns, a blank column. Mm -hmm. which is the process column mm -hmm. and the outcome column. And once the, the blank column is the coaching, it's the parenting, the consistency of how you're going to improve, practice well, listen, work hard, be a good teammate. That's part of what the coaching is about. And the values will, if you, Walk the talk. This, the values will result in the process being more successful, and in the end, the the outcome, you'll be the best you can be, which is important to know. That's all you can do. As Life. you went as you went through this exercise with with the parents, Wally, did you find um, the uh, pick your metaphor the tide turning? the light going on, uh, the folded arms were now unfolded. Oh, yes. Of, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. I thought the turning point was when that particular mother, and I sort of knew who sat at the front. She was at the front. There was two or three at the front. And so I began with, let's, let's start here. We're winning. Yeah, I, I wrote down championship. I wrote down, make the next level, um, get a scholarship. All those, uh, you know, be, be on the power play, you know, which kids might write. Win a banner, which kids write. And actually kids, they write, some of them write outcomes. Some will write, have fun, make new friends, those kind of things. So, when I start, this was something I would change at, with, at the competitive level. But I, I don't know. I might start now with the, the outcome column. And then I'll say, well, how do you achieve this? And that's where the process column and the <clears throat> values, to stick with your values, becomes the road to accomplishing outcomes. So I'm playing with this, and the idea of the coaches is they got to play with it. And I don't know, you know, how to make that happen. I'm still dreaming about it. It keeps me going. I'm still learning to do this better because I don't want to do it all the time, but I want the coaches to be able to let their assistants run the ice or one of their assistants who might be better at the leadership kinds of things with the parents' communication, 
deliver the exercise. But the fact the coaching staff has done it and the parents did it in a tremendous atmosphere. Practice is on. They're thinking about why they're doing what they're doing, what they want to accomplish. How do you do that? They're left with the assignment. And this is a funny story. When I had, I personally took all of their points home and we sent an email out and asked them to send them in to me again. And I collected all of the points from all of the parents and some don't. You might bet 10% of the association leads this. But at least you've got the feedback of people who represent the parents on what they want to accomplish. And I sorted them into the two columns and I sent them to the team manager, the lady, Tamara. And I said, please, you know, and I explained at the, at the parent meeting, a group of you have to get together and write a mission statement of no more than 15 words. And you this have to put exactly it, 15 words. Yeah. And you have to put it on a magnetic fridge ba- uh, uh, business card, magnetic business card with the team logo to put on the fridge. And I sort of thought, oh my goodness, uh, I didn't do anything. I, I just sent the collated results as they came in from the different parents and players. I sent them in, but they were sorted. And I sent them to Tamara, and I just thought, okay, I don't know what's going to become of it. And I sort of gave up on it. Before the uh, last game, she stopped me in the hallway and pulled the business card out and said, "We." and I, honest to God, Richard, I had given up on the exercise. But the fact she put that together, the parents put that together, she gave it to me, and Tom hasn't even done the exercise in his lifetime. He does a covenant. <laughs> really? He has a, you know, he has his own covenant that the mm-hmm. players do, mm-hmm. but doesn't involve the parents. Mm. So that's one of the things I've said. Tom, I, I would hope you would do this exercise. He said, well, I do a covenant with the players. and So here I am talking to a, a guy like you and I, can you deliver this? And I know you can deliver it. I know Tom can deliver it, but Mm -hmm. we all have our own ways of doing things. But this one includes the parents and it does include the board because during the season, you recruit those parents who are like-minded to get on the board that understand the purpose of what they're doing. And when they do, the vote goes the right way. The inmates don't run the asylum. <laughs> Every board member initially begins appreciating the, you know, the traditional mission statement. They want to do that, but for some reason, it goes away. The well, score the- clock, the score clock becomes the destroyer. Have you ever done this with an organization or a team where for one reason or another, it just went sideways. They could not, could not arrive at what they should be arriving at. And why was that? Well, I, I actually did it. 
with uh, NMAX. It was a staff, North American staff, about 20 executives brought in to Calgary. A friend of mine was who does a Hall of Fame coaching certification clinic related to values, had me do it with this group. And they... they are, these bu- are these business people or what, what are they? No business people. Okay. The oil industry. And they wrote their mission statement and the the head person of it all, when they went back to deliver it, it's just like doing it with the coaches. Some don't believe in it to begin with. Some are willing to experiment with. Some buy in 100%. So it can't be a once a five-year experience. It's when you... Now, here's the deal with the exercise. You'd like to have that statement written and submitted on a magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, gee, I'd be happy with by December 1st. If you can do it by November 1st, great. But now you have to revisit it at a halfway season meeting. And this is what Dan Morrow did. Their year was gone. like, And they did this exercise because they were dealing with, my kids got to play with so-and-so. What have you got them on the power play for? All those typical things. And they did it, and they revisited it in January. But they listened to the parents. What would you like us to change? What would you like to do differently? We know what the statement is, but you're, you you respect what the parents are saying. And Dan said the only thing he would do different, he's going to coach again now that he's going to retire. He said, I'll leave my head coaches or assistants in the dressing room, and I'll go out and mill in the hallway with the parents. Because there's no communication and respect. Two words, trust, respect. If you don't have trust and respect in an organization, in a team, you falter. You underachieve. You fail. And the wheel keeps spinning. And so I'm just trying to prevent this wheel from spinning to tires to keep traction and the game to be more enjoyable. And Hockey Canada's mission statement took them two days, 18 hours, to com- <laughs> complete the exercise 12 years ago. Now, the mission statement exercise, this the the one that I read from the Junior Inferno girls team. Uh, that's a competitive level team. Is it not the same exercise whether you're coaching – uh, nine-year-old or working with nine-year-olds on a house league level, 16-year-olds, you know, midget competitive hockey, junior A. Is it not the same? Exactly. No difference. <laughs> oh, I'd me. even say the NHL because the ultimate outcome is to win a Stanley Cup. Nothing wrong with that. Just do the right things to win it. Right. And if everybody is there and buys in and works together and is contributes, you may not win, but you're sure going to be a heck of a lot better than you are. Is a guy like Daryl Sutter open to that kind of thing, do you think? Uh, He's really old school. (laughs) He is, but you know, there's a general manager, there's a staff, 
And so the idea of what what organ what is the organization in with why they're doing what they're doing and how to do it. And to me, the underlying principle of this is if you're there for the right reasons, if you're value driven, and Daryl is a value driven person, he knows what it takes to achieve an outcome. Yeah. And it's not about the superstar. It's about the team first. Well, he knows as a player because his own playing experience, you know, was at a pretty high level. Yeah. In a family of hockey players, too. Yeah. But, the, but anyway, I leave the assignment. Now, interesting enough, Richard, the other team who I'm actually mentoring, uh, the gentleman that I'm mentoring is just a terrific guy. And the team manager is actually on the board with Girls Hockey Calgary. And they were going to set up a parent meeting to do the mission statement exercise. And it hasn't happened. The schedule, whatever, it's getting late. And I just ran into her the other day before that last game. And I showed her the business card of the what Team Red came up with. And I said, you know, next year you're going to have one more U13 team. And it's likely going to be parent coaches. I said, the best part of this exercise is if you develop this understanding of what you're doing the right way, they're going to move up the ladder and do the exercise. Now, it won't be parents, coaches. It'll be volunteers. But the parents know the exercise. They know their purpose. And while coaches may change and they may, they may get, uh, you know, highly knowledgeable coaches, but they might be unethical. And the purpose of that exercise, when you look at the fridge magnet and the coach reads that, if he's violating that, it has to be addressed. Back to your days when you were coaching with the National Women's Program, did you do anything like this with that team? No, we didn't. Uh, it's, it's almost well, the one thing in female hockey, the, the – Emotional intelligence and the reason for doing things, there's there's a real concern for others. And and gir, gir, women and, and girls are more sensitive yes. to the needs of others. And so, to a degree, the exercise isn't needed as much. It would help. It would be easy to do. It's, it's uh, you know... I think it, the value, the, the biggest thing about it is, is sort of like my experience. I tried out. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Was I disappointed? Yes, I was. But I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I didn't say, oh, criticize them behind their back. It. I respected what they were trying to do. And I left knowing what I would have had to do in the time I had. Now, Cassie Campbell Pascal is assisting Tom Malloy. Uh, it's his, her daughter's team, I believe, right? Her daughter's yep. on that team. Yep. If you were to sit down with Cassie or or any of the women that she played with in that era, and you were to ask her about this exercise and would it have made a difference? Is that something that would be interesting to to explore? I I I think I would. I am actually hoping to have a conversation with her. Mm-hmm. about it because with her role and the hockey Canada board right 
to me, it is the most important tangible tool that might fix the issues that we have. It'll bring a sense of direction and purpose to walking the talk as an organization and creating young men and women that understand the importance of respectful behavior all their life. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the, the thing that sort of kick-started my passion for this, uh, Cicerello was the player who's created the court case. Yes. Going back to the hazing area. Oh, Cur uh, Cur was it Daniel Carcillo? Yeah. Yeah, Carcillo, that's it, right? Here. And when that came to light, mm -hmm. I jumped on it saying, this happened because we didn't do the exercise. Mm-hmm. In his era of coaching, it was hazing. Sure. It was yelling and telling. It was abusive. Mm -hmm. Old school abusive. Mm -hmm. So coaching has changed. The generation of kids has changed. Sure. They're so bright, sensitive. Aware. Aware. We, as adults, coaches, and parents, we have no idea how much they know that we don't know. So their wheels are turning faster than ours. They're multitasking. They're... But you know what? They're good kids. And we just want to build on that. We don't want to make the experience a bad one. And Hockey Canada's yeah. mission statement after 18 hours, hmm. I don't think they've revisited it, but listen to this, to lead, develop, and promote positive hockey experiences yeah pretty simple and if you read it and you're a coach just say are you doing that there's a a tale i've i've shared with you know friends like dean and a few others <clears throat> but when i was in calgary they had just moved into that new uh office in the windsport complex yeah, yeah. and uh, this is 2012 i think it was because i was in ottawa at the time i was representing hockey eastern ontario and uh, I won't say which member of the executive of Hockey Canada took us on a tour of the, their trophy room, where I'm sure you've seen it. Oh, yes. It, yeah. All the medals and the trophies and the plaques of all the world championships. And it it's spectacular. It's like going through the Palace of Versailles. Um, and this member of the board said, looked at, pointed to all of this as the, you know, 14 or 16 of us were walking around the room. And he goes, this is what we're all about. And that's when I got turned off. So let's let's say this, Wally. Let's say that I've contacted Hugh Fraser and all the members of the new Hockey Canada board, and they've decided to appoint you as the new coach developer king for Canada. What would you start with and why? Well, I actually wanted to, would love the opportunity to have that, this conversation that we're having with them. Right. And maybe in some way you can share it with them. <laughs> okay. But, Guys, are you listening? I'll call Hugh. I coached Hugh's kids in, in Ottawa. So I'll call Hugh right away. And <laughs> Well, here's my point. I know Cassie. Yes. But, you know, it's she's part of Hockey Canada. Well, technically, she shouldn't even be coaching. Because yeah. one of the stipulations of the members of a board yeah. 
according to their statement, is you cannot be involved with any organization in any way, shape, or form directly. So she technically should be not. See, I, if, if Cassie understood, you know, a, if I got to talk with her about this, which I hope to do, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, they're so busy coaching, and she's broadcasting. Oh, she's all over the place, yeah. Like, every coach is too busy to deal with it now. There's a time and a place. The board is the place to start because mm -hmm. each branch runs its own show. They have mission statements that are good, but they can't deliver them because they don't. They don't want they, to. They don't understand. They, they, they're not top, bottom up, inside out, top down. They're, they're top down, and that's it. And they let the inside out stumble trip so uh, let's say you've been hired or tasked or voluntold that you are going to run coach development in canada what do you start with it's a massive task i understand well, and you you pick not up the, a, eh? not massive at all no okay no it's a simple task all right every coach has to be certified agreed so my vision is the mission statement exercise has to be implemented <clears throat> at coach one, mm -hmm. 45 minute module, coach two. Mm -hmm. Now you've done it, but then there's other elements. Mm -hmm. Now coach one, you're not playing whole ice hockey. Shouldn't it's a be. great time to start. The score right? clock hasn't yeah. screwed up the yep. perspective of what you're yep. doing. Yep. And then when you do it mm -hmm. in coach two, they've learned about it in coach one. They love it because it's all uh, hunky-dory, you know, pat you on the back. Yeah, come by us. Yeah. box on mm -hmm. when you need it, whole ice. Ooh. So the coaches do the exercise again. And part of doing it in successive years is recognizing the score clock's on now. We've done it before. We've got to do it now more important than ever. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody has done it. How did it work? What would you do differently? What's the difference now that you've got whole ice hockey? People don't like whole ice hockey. They, it's not, uh, or half ice hockey. And in fact, they probably should still play small area hockey for, at the, you know, at the United level. Are you familiar with the study that came out of Sweden and Finland a couple of years ago? Where they, they so. yeah. yeah, they looked at uh, the size of the space that kids should be playing in at certain age levels. And they, they determined that uh, probably by age 14 or so, that's when the kids should start to play full ice. And, yeah. and it was Kim. Yeah. And it was Kim McCullough who was on your, uh, your sharks talk uh, a week or so or two ago, who um, is living it in Leaside. And as, as I've lived it, you know, in Oshawa and Whitby out here, where uh, mid-season with eight-year-olds, you're going from half ice to full ice, which yeah. makes no sense in any world for any reason, makes no sense. Yeah, It's just placating a few people who want to play full ice because it's real hockey. It's, it's completely insane, completely inappropriate. Yeah. So as you say, coach one, you do it for, you know, 45 minutes or something in coach one. But now we're in a different world in coach two, and we're in a different world in development and so on and so on. But here's my point. You, you know, you say, oh, this is a daunting feat. It isn't. No. It, okay. it might it might be a 10-year 
from the time the, those coaches continue to coach right up to U18 or beyond, how many years the generation of players that you go mm -hmm. through become familiar with this, walk the talk and coaching the right way, recruiting board members to appreciate it mm -hmm. from the bottom up, doing things the right way. All of those people become leaders and executives. Yes. And they have a great influence. The parents love their kids. They want the best for their kids. Now, how to accomplish that is done this way. Now, in order to be a, an NHL player or an Olympian, the kid has to be crazy to dedicate themselves to that degree. All I'm concerned with is every kid at every level, whether it's a Team 4 or a Team 10, is you be the best you can be. And that's the same thing at the top of the NHL. You can only give it your all, but you can smile because you know you did that. We want to provide the kids the opportunities to be the best that they can be. So if they're playing Tier 4 competitive hockey, yeah. how can we get you to be more confident to and, and skilled enough and knowledgeable enough to be able to play Tier 3? competitive hockey or tier two or go for a house league to competitive. Yeah. How do we develop our coaches to be able to develop the kids? Well, the biggest thing is being able to teach them to teach. Yes. How to teach. But, yes. Now, but for behavioral coaching in the mission statement, here's, here is the crunch. All the coaches do now is shorten the bench. The best kids get to play power play and penalty kill. Some kids sit, get reduced minutes. They still right. get, there's coaches that are still yelling at them, feeding mm -hmm. them negatively, not knowing how to, you know, the power of importance of positive reinforcement and how to deal with behavioral issues. So here's an example of the management of the bench related to the mission statement exercise helping. Right now, if a coach shortens the bench, and a player doesn't get to play, if you read the mission statement, it's been violated. Yes. It has to be addressed. It's not about the outcome. It's about the team effort growing to achieve that outcome. And you will not achieve the outcome that way. You will not develop life skills. You will create disrespect and a lack of trust by doing that. The parents, the players won't respect the coach. The players won't respect each other. Players won't respect the officials, the opponent, their teammates. It's a, it's a zoo. Now that you're you're referring to that mission statement, you know that, that's been violated on in, such as the one I described earlier. But what is the role of the minor hockey organization? or the overarching governing body, such as in Ontario, the Ontario Hockey Federation, Hockey East Ontario, Hockey Alberta, Hockey Manitoba, to make sure that whatever mission statement you come up with, we are going to back you, or we are going to advise you that, you know, rolling the lines is what you should be doing with eight-year-olds, or even 14-year-olds, um, that there are certain things that are just not negotiable. Yeah. Well, I, I think you can only advocate. You can't mandate. Um, I believe that 
to appease the overly competitive short bench shorteners, I would mandate the first half year, everybody plays all situations. Now, that doesn't mean rolling the lines. It means managing the bench. But everybody plays power play and penalty kill. Are we ta- what age are you talking about? What age and what level of play? Um, I'm talking at, at any age. Now, I think U- U9 is whole ice. Well, U9 is out here. It's oh, supposed it's to be half, half ice. ice in January, yeah. and then they switch. It's nuts. Well, I, I think U13. <laughs> yeah. The U13, the girls' teams I work with, mm. I, I mentioned to Wes, the head coach, if I uh, if he didn't do that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mentor. Mm-hmm. And he came back to me, uh, uh, talked to him last week. His son was playing midget number one in the ESO tournament. And he, I asked him, how'd the game go? And he said, well, you know, Wally, he never got on for a power play or a penalty kill. So th- this is happening. Mm-hmm. Why are we allowing it to happen? Who is allowing it to happen? Well, the parents won't say anything because they're afraid of, of being, you know, blackballed, their kid being blackballed or they're being blackballed. So, you know, what, again, what is the role of the, of the organization uh, or the governing body? Well, the the role, I, I'm not concerned about the role. I'm concerned about who it is. Mm-hmm. Have they gone through this process? Mm-hmm. Right. And they know what they're there for. Right. And then they'll make decisions that can be mandating playing everyone fair ice time. And that is fair ice time. It's not shortening the bench to win because shortening the bench is a poor excuse for coaching. It's it's the absolute sin of the way we do things. Yes. And well, accepting it to me, you know, the NHL, the, they have more balanced ice minutes mm-hmm. in the playoffs, the, the last four teams than mm-hmm. minor hockey teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the model that coaches tend to follow is what they see from the local junior teams or the pro teams where they're playing with four lines and six or eight defensemen or seven defensemen. So, you know, not playing lines one, two, three, a lot more than line four is the normal course of events. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's the normal course of events oh, in yeah. junior hockey and in pro hockey. So coaches look at that and they go, well, that means I should be playing lines one and two and less of line three. So right away, they've created a hierarchy of 10-year-olds or 14-year-olds with only three lines where the caliber, the, I mean, the, the gap in caliber between the kids on the first line, so to speak, and the third line is huge. Same with the, you know, top two defensemen and the bottom defensemen, because it's minor hockey. They're kids. They're the gap is going to be much wider. Well, it's going to be wider because they don't play as much. Right. And they exactly. won't develop. Yeah. So, so when I do a problems. coaching clinic, Richard, yeah. I asked coaches, how many forwards do you have? Yeah. And quite often some have eight. And they go with, how do you manage the bench? The best two players are centers. Right. And the wingers roll around. Roll them. over, yes, yes. And I do the math. I say that's 300 minutes mm-hmm. of less ice time for my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm in your face. Mm-hmm. And I say two rights, first period. Mm-hmm. Two left, second. Two centers, a third. Exactly. And 
I have another coach who knows how to handle an 11-player bench better mm -hmm. because he gets to mix the very best with the weaker players mm -hmm. in a, a way that allows them to play with better players and also the better players to play with better players and weaker players for the sake of the team. And eventually the roles, midget AAA I'm talking here, this coach won four national championships, not with talent, but with the best team. And this philosophy, creating a spirit within the group and effort within the group that achieved the success because it was behavioral coaching first, creating a synergy. So managing the bench, not manipulating it. Manipulating is, ah, oh, gee, you know, there's, you know, two minutes left in the second. I got to make sure they're out there. We're, we're up yeah. one. The last two uh, minutes are mine. Really? Yeah. I thought yeah. it was the kids all the time. Yeah. But anyway, I, the, the answer really rests with the powers, which is the board and how important this is. Yes. But the way it can become reality of its certification is mandated. At well, it, it, but it's already mandated. That's not the issue. No, no, no. The mission statement is mandated. Oh, the mission statement, I see. Now, listen to this. Uh, high performance. Mr. McGee came out. He delivered the eight-hour modules. I've been at them. And you know what they are? They're all reactive. If this happens, this happens. How do you deal with these issues? What I'm saying here is proactive. You deal with these issues so they don't happen. So you can, right now we're reactive. We're plugging holes. These things right. are happening. Yes. You've got drugs, you've got alcohol, you've got abuse, all kinds of things going on. But we, we teach the values that we want the game to uh, nurture. And you, you do it up the ladder. And when you recruit, good coaches recruit good parents to serve on the boards and they lead the right way following the template of the mission statement, adhering to it. It's not they're advocating on winning. They're actually going to win, achieve greater success, provide a more positive experience. And when they become executives, in hockey or not, they'll appreciate the value of teamwork and a value base for what you do and why you do it. I would recommend that um, <clears throat> listeners to this podcast uh, just do a Google search of Wally Kozak and put the word YouTube at the end of it, and, you'll, and it'll take you to the page where he's got the Sharks discussions. I've been on once or twice myself a year ago or so where uh, they're discussing various components and you, you spend some time breaking these down and to pieces so that it's manageable to, to listen to. But some of the discussions have been really good. Like the last one with when I heard Kim McCullough just knocking herself out about how to go to, how do I teach going out from half ice to full ice with eight year olds? It says, it's crazy. It's a completely different kind of coaching, you know, kids have no idea how to play full ice. Then I forgot which guy it was who said, uh, you know, worried about one coach was worried about teaching offside. And he said, they'll figure it out. As soon as a linesman or referee goes tweet offside, the kids go, Oh yeah, I'm on the wrong side of the blue line. They'll figure it out. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so well, Kim mentioned uh, they have first year players. Right. 
that are going to go back and play half ice hockey. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how confused are they going to be? No, it's yeah. That's but that to me is a leadership issue at the top. Yeah. That doesn't fall on the local coach who's struggling to do. Oh no. No, that's oh, no. provincially or whoever just saying, this is what we're going to do. Like USA hockey has done it very successfully. Their their de development model is is fantastic, yeah. and they've had a lot of success with it. So Wally, uh, thank you very much for being on the show and talking about the mission statement exercise. If people want to know more about how to do that, then drop me a note, Richard at grassrootsminorhockey.com, and uh, I'll flip you over to Wally. And what do you charge? Like five hundred dollars an hour for that now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not quite. No, actually, uh, since COVID, I have done. Over a hundred sessions with individuals. Oh, great! Small, small leadership groups. Good. At no charge, for the good of the game, and I'm actually hoping that a philanthropist, some company, will take on this activity. Yeah. To promote and deliver, and it would be why I do it, and. I might receive income for some yeah. of that and the ideas, but yeah, that doesn't matter at my age. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what, the age. No, it's a it's a legacy of serving the good of the game and making yeah. sure the game does good, and which at, pretty, at any level. Which pretty much defines you, Wally. A gem. Thanks for being on, uh, Wally. Um, be healthy. We will be in touch again. I'm sure. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thanks, Rich. Okay, so listeners, uh, you can reach me at richard at grassrootsminorhockey.com. You've been listening to episode whatever this is, and the first one of 2023 with Wally Kozak, uh, who is in that pantheon. And I'm going to add Claire Drake to the list of the names. Uh, so uh, until we next talk, and hopefully Dean will be on, his dulcet voice will be back in shape. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. <laughs>